Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Everyone, nothing to talk about today. Um, yeah, it's going to be a five minute show. We're going to just keep it short, just get through that. You know, the biggest news of the day by far since the last time we talked has been traded to the. Um, you know, and um, Gilbert's been traded from the Kings. And oh, wait, no, a second. Uh, Vermette slashed a ref, and then maybe Montreal changed. Oh, just, let's get to all of that. Back. We'll get to all that. Um, but today is Wednesday, yeah. February 15th, 2017. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I am Eklund. You're watching Hockey Buzzcast on hockeybuzz.com, the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday at this time and fills you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. Um, and let's see, other big news, Ilya Brizgalov will be covering the trade deadline on Sportsnet. How about that? I, I think it's ridiculous, but if people are going to watch, who am I to say? <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, what else? Um, Chimera's penalty shot last night was the worst penalty shot call I've ever seen. A lot of people have said that. I mean, there's always been bad ones. <laughs> I mean, let's not reveal everything that we're going to talk about in the first five seconds. Let's sort of hold it back. I'm, I'm talking about the things that we're going to talk about in five seconds so we can talk about the rest, right. of, the rest oh. of the show. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, what happened to the good old days when a penalty shot, you know, you had to almost kill a person to get a penalty shot. Yeah. Now we've reached the exact opposite of that where if you touch a guy, you get a penalty. He gets a penalty shot. This was no, this. but that see that's that's the thing. I mean, I, I realize that the penalty shot criteria has been loosened up in the in the uh, shootout age, to say the least. But, but Matt Hunwick didn't do squat to him. I know he didn't, he didn't hit him on the hands. He didn't slash him. He I didn't, know he didn't take the stick out of his hands. He waved at his hands and I think even missed. I don't even think he made contact. And the referee's arms, or the referee or the linesman, whoever it was, the arm goes up. And I'm and you look at the replay and like Shamira was not impeded at all on this penalty shot. It was it was the most one of the most. And I'm not trying to be I'm trying to be I'm not biased here because I would say that even if it was Toronto the opposite way, this was one of the worst calls I have seen ever. <clears throat> yeah, no, it was it, a phantom call, but it didn't affect the game. Luckily, no, it didn't. It could have. I mean, it was it was three one at the time, right? But um, but it didn't. You're right, and um. So let's get let's talk a little bit about let's let's start with the Leafs Islanders mm -hmm. game um, and um, we will definitely promise you get to the uh, Montreal news for sure because um, I know many people out there are uh, are chomping at the bit to find out what the heck's going well, on. Well, and Vermette too. I, I I seem to have touched a nerve on Twitter about Vermette too. Yeah, when you get there's plenty. But let's talk about this. So we talked about yesterday about the the uh, Islanders and Leafs having a really serious and you know what what was honing up to be a real battle mm -hmm. uh, between two teams with virtually the same record, both in the playoffs, the Leafs playing not too well, but, but being in it as of late, but being in a good spot, the Islanders playing very well as of late. Um, they show up and the Leafs just roll them. I mean, in, in what was, I think the Leafs best game of the year, um, you know, perhaps, I mean, you could say you, you would know better than me, Mike, but I've, I've watched a lot of Leafs games, but I felt like the, I mean, a lot of a lot has to go right for it to be your best game of the year. And I know sometimes you can score seven goals and it not look not it just be like a result of luck or whatever. But I don't think that was the case this time. It was. I mean, it was a solid performance by the team. There's no doubt. I mean, Frederick Anderson played, you know, and he's slumped the last little while, but he played really well, especially in the first period. Um, they got an early goal from Josh Levo, an unexpected source who's played well in the last few games. I, I and I was telling Russ before. I think the backbreaker was the Cadre goal in the last thirty seconds of the first period. I thought the Islanders actually outplayed the Leafs or outchanced them. They had a, hit a couple posts. There were some good opportunities. They couldn't beat Anderson. And yeah, then Anderson Cod came out to cut down an angle on one that was a really nice one. Right, and then Cadre's goal broke. I think broke their back. And you know the the thing the thing was. They go up three nothing, and then the penalty shot happens, and it goes three one. And right after 
Tavares gets hooked. It was a retaliatory hook from Kadri, and the Islanders get a power play. And even though in the second period they were outplayed, the Islanders had a chance to climb back into that game. But the problem is, is and you look at the Islanders' record on the road, it's pitiful. Yeah. And it really what happened last night after they didn't score on that power play and they really didn't get a, a good op, a good chance on it, I think the Islanders just said we're not going to win this game and they folded in the third period completely. Yeah, I, I I brought it up yesterday. They've been a horrible road team with the exception of that Flyers win recently where they just – the Flyers I just felt like played a, a bad enough game to let the Islanders be in it and win. And And this one was unfortunately what the Islanders do on the road but even worse than – than usual and and the Leafs outworked them I mean there was a play when Matthew scored his 27th goal he was at center ice it was along the wall and I don't remember who was quote unquote battling him for the puck and it might have been Alan Quine it was somebody like that and he took it from him like it was like a candy from a baby went in did a give and go got the easiest goal like it was just it was like butter it was just and at that point that's when you do have to wonder again. They put all their eggs in the Thomas Grice basket. How is that actually going to work out? And it's ironic right now, right? Because they're sitting there and Halak is just killing it, right? So we're yeah. sitting there and, you know, and Barube is, is, is fine. But I, I, I don't think he's a number one goalie in the NHL. Like, I, I just no, don't, I don't think he is either. But he has moments where he looks he has good. moments where he looks good. He's, he's, a, he's going to be a very, very solid backup yeah. in the NHL. And that's good. You need a solid if backup. If you don't say that, Alan Walsh will tweet you. Oh, Alan Walsh doesn't follow me. He 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 blocked me on Twitter. You know, I told you the story. Um, he blocked me um, proactively on Twitter, which is the most hilarious thing I've ever seen. Like he, I I got it. You know, I'm on, I'm on Twitter and I say, hey, Alan Walsh is on Twitter, and I go to follow him. Someone's because someone just writes it out. Alan Walsh is on Twitter. I go to follow him, and I've been and he only has like at that point like 25 followers, and I've been blocked proactively. <laughs> I, I hold that as a badge of honor. Um, so anyway, yes. Um, I should do that. You know, like people who I think are going to have a next born or something. Yeah. They should have a button where you can proactively block their their next of kin. Proactively. I'm sure my wife who's on Twitter, who he wouldn't even know who she is on Twitter. I'm sure right. she's been blocked by Alan Walsh too because <laughs> – Well, Twitter, like Twitter, Twitter does have the ability to block like certain names. Like if you yes. enter in a name, you can block it. So I've already done that for Donald Trump. So Oh, Good. Good. So Trump's not following you? No, 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 no. Anything mentioning Trump from oh, anything Trump. mentioning Trump. That, that's that's a great idea. I, I just I don't yeah, want to hear get rid about of the phrase. It. Yeah, that's a great idea. So, but let's let's get on to something actually. In, in this last whole last thing that we talked about, the thing that's most shocking to me is the fact, you know, that Nazem Kadri has twenty two goals. I don't know that, that that just you know, and and I I know we've all talked has. about the great the great young def- young young players, but you know, and he's he's not one of the rookies. No, but I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm just, I was amazed by that. I'm looking at like, okay, Wayne Simmons is a, is a, is, is leading the flyers in goals. Mm-hmm. He's got 23 goals. <laughs> All right. So Kadri, you know, uh, TJ Yoshi, you know, capitals, 23 goals. Um, dry Saito, who we talked about yesterday. Great, great player. 21 goals. Um, See, I'm not, I'm not as shocked as other people. Like I've always tried to, to say that Kadri had ability in him and it was always, bad penalties, dumb play that yeah. sort of derailed that. Now that he has a coach that's put that under control, he has really harnessed the best qualities of Nazem Kadri, which is what got drafted, him drafted in that spot in the first place, if you think well, about it. The, 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 the thing is, is that what Babcock has done, I mean, he sort of channeled the negative qualities that you were mentioning, Russ, into like, okay, he went to basically Kadri says, we can't have you taking those – do those dumb things. We want you to be the shutdown guy. We want you to use your antagonistic skill to get underneath the skin of number one center for the other team. Like he did against McDavid early in the year. He did it against Tavares to a point yesterday. And, you know, obviously if he's matching minute for minute, those number one guys, he's getting close to the most ice time of any center on that team. I mean, Bozak and Matthews get comparable ice time, but the matchup is there. So, you imagine those top guys. He's a minus four only. That's the other thing that is impressive. Right. Like, like mm-hmm. the fact that he's a. I mean, Austin Matthews 
is a plus two. Okay, but Austin Matthews isn't going against the other team's best offensive players. Sometimes, but most times not. Usually yeah. not, yeah. Unless, not, unless it's also the best defensive player. But Nazem Kadri is only a minus four, which is astonishing. And and the more thing that makes that even more impressive, Eck, is the fact that I believe he has ten power play goals, which he gets no plus from. So right. can we sit back and say that he may have been the best signing last year. Like well, I mean, as crazy as it, as we, you know, we go through this whole thing, it's like when you look at all the players because they got him for such a cheap rate. Right. And, they well, you know, they got they they got him after a year that was questionable, after yeah. a year that where he was suspended, and they, you know there were a few other things you know in in the recent past, but. See, this is the Lou Lamorello model, and maybe right. maybe other players will fight against this, but what he did in New Jersey, he got most of his players on economical deals. He went to Riley, he went to Kadri and says, we want to commit to you long-term, but we can't give you top dollar. So he gets Riley for $5 million as compared to guys like Seth Jones who make 5 and a half, and other and Yandel who made 6.3. He got Kadri at 4.5. That is what he's going to do in the offseason with RFA guys like Hyman and Brown, who have only had one year. But he's going to go to Van Riemsdyk in the summer and say, JBR, we want you to stay in Toronto, but we can't give you $6 million. The only guys who are going to get big, big money going forward are going to be Marner and are, are going to be Matthews. And yeah, if, that if, is, That's where he'll get that Kovalchuk kind of deal at a Lou. And he'll get it in a couple of years. Like Lou will want to lock him up long term because – He'll look at him and say, okay, let's get this done. Matthew's people will want to get something done, so he has security. And so I, I expect that to happen within a couple of years. I agree. But it, but if JVR says, well, if they if the Leafs offer him, say, $5 million times five, uh, five years, and he's like, okay, well, no, I can sign for seven someplace. I can get $6 million. Well, you're going to get it somewhere else because that's right. that that is the 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 operating procedure of the Leafs. Take a little less, take yeah. a little longer contract, stay as part of the plan. And if you don't, we understand. But then you're going to be like Scott Niedermeyer or Scott Gomez or Bobby right. Holik in New Jersey. Don't you're, ever say Bobby Holik again. I know, but you're, but I'm <laughs> saying don't you're ever. Gonna, you're going to get paid somewhere mm -hmm. else, is what I'm saying. Bobby Holik's name should not be mentioned on the show. Yeah. Um, all right, there's there's but there's more shocking, and I and before before we get on to the actually there's one little footnote to this. So last night I did a little digging, and I saw that the last rookie center to have like over forty goals, forty one goals was Eric Lindros. Even Cindy Crosby only had thirty nine. Lindros yeah. did that in ninety two, ninety three. I believe Matthews has a chance at that, and and it's pretty incredible because. Again, I don't want to discount Line. Line had a hat trick last night. It's fantastic. I think Line will be right there too. But this guy's playing center, and this guy actually has more impact on a game than Line does for the most part. And it's just we've really not seen a rookie center like this in over a decade, except for Sidney Crosby, like this dominant. Where now he has gotten over the hump of. Well, we think he could be, you know, one of the top players in the league. No, no. Now he's one of the top players, and you're almost forgetting he's a rookie. Yes. Yeah, you are. And 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 the fact that he played a, probably the first ten to fifteen games on the third or fourth line. Um, and that you know, and at least right. I mean, that, third line. Third line. Third line. Yeah. I and mean, you know, so minimum time. And now he. And now, of course, he's not. But he's. But you know, obviously. Well, he's playing with basically the same wingers. He is, but that's become the first line, right? So, you know, and just so people know, the reason I didn't mention McDavid, he had injuries in his rookie season. Matthews right. hasn't been injured, so he's going to have a better rookie season to me. That's where there's just no way around it. The other thing I wanted to, the other player I wanted to bring up that shocked me today when I was looking through the um, top leading goal scorers, Patrick Maroon has 20 goals. It doesn't shock me anymore because they put him in a position where he is cleaning up the garbage and the crease, and he is good at that. He's a big, strong guy, yeah. and they do have a lot of guys that put pucks on net, and they do have a lot of size up front. It doesn't shock me anymore. Maroon this, com this comment, and a Flyers fan brought this up to me, and I think this is a great comment, okay, that the Flyers' hatred of the name Patrick. All right, so let's throw this out for <laughs> a second. Okay. Sure. All right, now let's go right – okay, remember the Flyers have Patrick Sharp. Right. They Patrick Sharp for nothing, and Patrick Sharp becomes a, an all-star Canadian, great, great player, uh, Team Canada. They, of course, lose the um, – pin ping pong ball thing and lose Patrick Kane right. um, when everybody figured they would have him. And then Patrick Maroon, if you remember who he was traded for, you, you remember? It doesn't that? matter. That wasn't why he got traded. But you remember what you remember on? I don't on, remember the player. No. 
Okay, Dave, he and David Laliberte. Laliberte, I remember Laliberte. Yeah. traded to the Anaheim Ducks in return for Robert Bortson and Danny Savret. <laughs> well, hey, Danny Savret, he was a good forward masquerading as a defenseman. Right. So, you, so using your using your uh, your uh, computation here, yeah. uh, that means if the if the Flyers miss the playoffs and win the lottery, they're going to reject Nolan Patrick. Right. I think yeah, I think I think they have no choice but to. Um, yeah, if you put the tinfoil hat on, and, and then for him to go out and have an have an, have a Hall of Fame career, like that, it's not just the fact that they they, they the, what happens to the Patricks that they have is pretty phenomenal. Can we just market the Flyers tinfoil hat now for the draft? They so also, we remember got Patrick Falloon at the wrong time. They they have. Oh, yeah. no, so I'm going to throw. I'm just I'm trying to remember other Patricks that they've had. Ooh. Patrick's Eves, right? Wasn't he? Was he a player? No, he was not. No, now you reach him. By the way, a rumor I'm going to put out later today. Um, you're going to get it first on the Hockey Buzzcast right now because you're watching. Um, I have heard Patrick Eves tied to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, and He'd be a real solid pickup for them, but I think the cost would be high. I don't. I don't know how high it's going to be. There's another guy in the another guy with 20 goals. So it's like. Um, well, I mean, I, Patrick Eves, and I, I think Patrick Eves is, is, has always been, and he's, he's in a fascinating story in and of himself. Like that guy has been all over the place. He has been forgotten about. Hard worker, consistent. Yeah, I mean, there have been points when he's been on waivers. He's been yeah. thrown out of things. And, you know, and he continues. And to think that Patrick Eves is still playing in the NHL is pretty astonishing, right? Because Maybe he, like Michael Grabner, yeah. Yeah, well, he I mean, I mean, so many Patrick, times when he could have. Didn't he start with um, Detroit? No, no, he started with Ottawa. Ottawa, 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 right. But did he play in Detroit? He played five seasons with Detroit, and then see that, yeah. and then that, that that's I would think one of the basis, one of the yeah. you know reasons why that might be that rumor might make sense. But he's not a center, and the, the the speculation is is that the Leafs are looking for a depth center. That's why there's been some some uh, tying in with somebody like Brian Boyle who may or may not be uh, available depending on whether Tampa Bay contends. I, I Again, I have to reiterate, I just don't think the Maple Leafs are in the rental market. A guy like uh, There's a very strong connection that I can't get into, I'll tell you guys off the air, but that I can't get into with Toronto and Patrick Eves that would make this a lot more okay. obvious. I will say this about the, the Brian Boyle one. Freddie Gauthier has all of the right components to be Brian Boyle. He's just not going to score – Right. Or I should say, have occasional seasons to score like Brian Boyle, but he'll do everything else. So that's why I don't see them getting a player like that because they already have Gauthier. No, and why? Why? Well, true, but why would you do it if if you are truly interested in Brian Boyle? You can sign him in the summer, right? Why, He's well, a fairly inexpensive player, and as is right. But right. But, but according to all the the reports. Uh, the, the the Lightning are looking for upwards of a first round pick. Yeah, there's no way. There's not a chance in hell, and I wouldn't give I wouldn't give up a se- a second round pick for Brian Boyle. No, no. Not a chance. No. Right, and we're not going to get into the, the salacious stuff. People are texting me. I'll oh, talk about this. No, we're not going to get yeah, into. Yeah, we, yeah. We don't, we, no, we've no, we've no, been no. through that before. We don't talk about things that aren't like investigations that are going going. You can you guys can find out for yourself. We're not even going to give no. you hints. No thanks. Um, but um, but there's a couple other things here that um that I want to get into, and before we get into, I think the two big stories, which are is, is Vermette and and of course the Canadians. But the, the next thing is another Patrick. <laughs> Patrick Line last night. Um, third hat trick of the year. Um, this is astonishing. Um, three goals now behind Crosby for the lead. Just, uh, you know, the most points per game of any rookie. Um, you know, Patrick Line. Um, not to say he's, you know, he's of course not going to, I mean, you know, and you can conspiracy theories out this wild wazoo because he's not going to be, Austin Matthews, and I don't think he's a better player than Austin Matthews. But right now, if you were to just say, if you were to take both names away and just look at statistics, it's tough. I mean, it. But you know, but Matthews eventually will, you know, whatever. Uh, Matthews well, is. You, you can you can take you can do that with the numbers, but you all like like Russ had said before, you have to factor in position. Yeah, impact on the game. Impact, yeah, and then and the thing is, it's like it's very possible that by the end of the year, the leading score, the leading rookie scorer in the league. Could be Mitch Marner. The leading rookie goal scorer could be Patrick Line, and I still would believe that Austin Matthews is the leading candidate for the Calder because he'll be second or third in scoring, and his impact on the game is just as much or higher than Line or Marner. Yeah, but but you know, just as much as higher. I mean, doesn't isn't isn't a guarantee, you know? Like to me, that's like, I mean, to me, it's not like he's he's he he is getting 
every I have no question that he's going to win it. Um, and I, I and I don't even know who I would vote for to be honest, Jeff. You know, like and I think about I, I and I think he, I might vote for him, but I do think that he. I would still wait it out. It's going to be a good race. It's a great. It's a race. And I mean, if I, Moretzky's I still he's in the race too, but he's player. falling back. He's going to be the best player. I, there's no question. I I, th I think he's the best player that's going to be down the line. But you know, but as far as just just flat out rookie campaigns, this this Patrick Lineage rookie campaign is astonishing, and oh, it's it, has great. To, it has to be looked at. You know, like it has to be considered. I mean, you're talking about no one's gotten 41 goals. I mean, since Lindros or whatever, Patrick Lineage is going to do that as well. But he's not a center. Not no. a center, right? Which is yeah. That's why yeah, I brought that up. I mean, it's yeah. a big deal. Yeah, Go no, look at the big, list yeah. of centers. And if you know, and, centers are tough, and you know, and if we if we want if we want to you know be accurate about it, he is actually tied with Matthews in terms of goals. They just you have to count goals on your own net. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and, uh, and of course you know I don't know who has more empty netters right now, but Lineys one the one goal Lineys scored last night, the second goal he scored, which was right off the faceoff. Oh, we do have to say this too. Matt Murray is twenty-one and six. He's back in the race too. Right, right, and he had another shutout last night. So we talk about bad drafts in the recent years, Ross. I mean, <laughs> like rookies are just—I mean, they're just taking the cake right now, right? I mean, it's like it's incredible. I mean, this league is being run by rookies right now. It right? is. I mean, we saw it happening in the World Cup. Yeah, it happened for a short time, and then I think calls yeah. are what derailed the the under twenty-three team, not the actual talent. I think those. You know, what happened in-game, it wasn't on them. It was the way things were constructed, I think, is what hurt them. But you could see – I could see a time now where there will be a very young team winning a Stanley Cup because of the speed and the youth, the legs, the endurance. It's nice to have the mix. You have to have the mix. Yeah. But if you've um, got two to three dominant young players, you could do some damage in this league. Yep. Um, really quick, a little highlight, guys, for you guys here. This is, um, I'm sure you guys saw this, but this was one of the more astonishing goals of the year, and I had to throw this out there because, and I would explain why I think it's astonishing. So we're going to watch it here. So then we're going to get on to our big stories, which and we will. I promise you, we will. Um, but this one is, uh, okay, so this goal last night is the return of Evgeny Malkin. Okay, so Evgeny Malkin is back. And this play, okay, this on Kessel's goal here, which um, which is like this, and it it is hard to explain. Like it, I wish I had a bit full speed because it, in in slow motion here it, it doesn't look as impressive, but in full speed the thing that's impressive is in full speed Malkin looks like he's in slow motion on this goal. Right, right. And that that's the great thing about it, um, and you can't really tell because he just literally commands so much respect that neither defender goes anywhere near him. They allow right. him to stand there. And Miller just desperately comes out on the angle. You can see Miller's pretty far out. He's like, he, I gotta play, I gotta play the shot. And you know, and then bang. Well, actually, one played the shot, one played the pass, and it didn't matter. Yeah, it didn't matter. And they both they just both stood there while Malkin played like he was at open hockey with ten year olds. Like he <laughs> like just held the puck, held the puck, and then passed to Kessel, who had the easiest goal of his life, right? So it's just I mean, just we talked about how good of a passer Malkin is the other day, and why he believes on Florence on the top 100 list. This goal to me was a perfect example of it. He just this is this is such a pro superstar yeah. goal. And Kessel Kessel smiled at there after that goal like there was a two for one sale on hot dogs. Oh yeah, no, he was happy. I mean, what the hell? You're playing. I mean, and the, and the but the and the Malkin. So Kessel goes up to him like he is absolutely thrilled. Right, we don't see that in the highlight, but and Malkin Malkin has the uh, you know like I just you know I just. I just managed to make my, uh, you know, make my bed without the corners coming up. Look, like he had completely, like, didn't care what. <laughs> Actually, speaking of Kessels, I think Amanda Kessel had a hat trick in the um, NWHL All Star game, which was. Oh yeah, well, Kessel's always been one out away from being awesome, but he is—he's really good. And I, I think what, when we look at the whole thing, it's um, I really Amanda Kessel. Yeah, that was something I didn't know. That that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. That's really cool to know. Um, all right, so let's. Let's get on with it. He got to see the game, apparently. I don't think he got to attend because he was playing, but he right. did get to see it, so he, apparently that was something that made him happy. And, you know, it's a hell of a tandem, that, that family, it's man. It's, it's such a great story. And, and you know, I love the fact that he a couple times has come out and said that he's the he's the brother of Amanda Kessel, which is great. Yeah. And this is the kind of thing that Phil Kessel needs, doesn't get credit for. You know, it's like, sure. I mean, for all the hell he's put through, 
I mean, he has kind of won the internet in the last year or so. Um, you know, so. What he, I'll never forget what he did in the in the NHL All Finals. That was that was a moment that I will never forget when he when he said, I "Feel like I should have been doing something important today." Yeah. Um, and you know, sitting out there, it, no, not during the finals, during the World Cup of Hockey. Oh, yeah. And, and he owned that room of of every of every major reporter in the NHL, just about ready to go talk to you know a team, and he, he's sitting there, you know, and oh man, it was fascinating. All right, let's do um, Vermette. Okay, Antoine Vermette. Who? Oh, and it's funny, just yesterday, I was going to bring up on the show. It was in my notes, and I didn't. We didn't get to it. That he was the number one faceoff guy in the NHL, which was shocking to me. Like sixty some percent. Now every year he's in the top five. He is. Yeah. Um, so he and you know so he obviously takes faceoffs extremely seriously. And um, oh, by the way, happy birthday to Yager. Yager is forty five today. What a, we have a lot to talk about, but we won't get into that. But we'll talk about that at another point. Forty five. That's nothing. Come on. Thank God for Yager, who makes me feel like there's still a player in the NHL that I followed when I was a fan and a kid, you know, like that's like, that's what I like about Yager. Like when I, when I actually, otherwise I feel like, you know, I'm really you old. You're like me. I get it. Yeah. But yeah. I, so Yager, I Yager, you know, played before I was a fan before, I mean, before I was a reporter, which is nice. All right. So Vermette, um, we, I, the whole idea is this. So he, he, he misses a, a face-off is dropped. This is a weird thing about this, like a neutral zone face-off, right? It's not even like a crazy important face-off, but there's been something going on the entire game between him and the him and the linesman, and he got thrown out. He was only thirty percent in that particular game, which is something that is, you know, yeah, it's, it's unlike him. him. It's unlike him. So obviously, he's getting more and more frustrated. The line, he feels like the linesman's probably just trying to dupe him and trick him, and then the linesman drops the puck before he's even ready, and he takes a hack at the linesman's back. Now, not like. Not in like the you know, not in the way quite like we saw last year, right? Like I mean, see this. This, this, this is where I disagree. Okay, go ahead. Here, here's my point, and this is what I was trying to. Oh, a little echo here, sorry. This sorry. is what I was trying to point out on Twitter to people. I don't care what you think someone looks, what something looks like with intent. That would be like, hey, Eck, sorry I slashed you on the hand. Didn't mean to break your handmade bone, and that could have happened. It doesn't matter right. what doesn't look what looks innocuous sometimes on a video for regular people. This is an athlete who's way stronger than you think, who's mad, who's hitting with more force than you think, and then you yeah. could tell in that video. And he did it more than once. Yeah, that and is so to me, that's intent to injure. I don't care if he got the job done or not. I think that's what people are looking at. Well, he didn't really hurt him. Oh, he didn't try and hurt him. No, when you watch it, there's a little bit more than it. This is more than a tap. This is not. Yes, it is. Not because it's a two hand. Like if it's a, if to me, it's like a tap is like a one hand thing. But he pulls his hand up, and and whacks him. I mean, right. he takes a whack across a part of the body that like is not like it's, it's not a thing to like tap a guy on the butt when you're skating by. Like what happened? He's sla he's slashing the the linesman on the trying to sl slash him on the back of the knee, which is the most vulnerable part of the right, of which is the any play player or or a referee's leg. The thing is, I, immediately when I saw this, I thought of that the Tom Lysiak suspension back in the '80s, where he tripped over the linesman and he got 20 games. Now apparently. Uh, in the CBA, the, there's three categories of suspension, and this one was ruled a category two, which is a 10-game suspension. I yeah. actually got off light. I think he, I'm surprised he didn't get the 20, uh, but but and they're they're, they're going to. Here's, and here's and here's my feeling about this, Mike. Yep. I understand there's something in the CBA, but what the commissioner can do is he could just say he yes. suspended indefinitely and let him ride out more than 10 games, but less than 20 if he wants. Just to make him sweat, and that's what I would have done because I don't like players doing this. It's bad for the game. It makes the game look bad. I guarantee you, this highlight has made it onto a million shows because they always show the negative parts of hockey. Guaranteed. Yeah, well, I, I get that, Russ. But the problem is that the commissioner of the NHL is not Roger Goodell, and Roger Goodell. Oh, that's, that's a good thing. Yeah, because he he went he went extra. When when the whole Ray Rice situation happened, right. or the, not not Ray Rice, but the Tom Brady situation, Tom Brady. Yeah. he didn't he didn't do it for Ray Rice, which was an embarrassment. But that you know, and that raised a complete kerfuffle with with the with the NH with the NFL because it was you know he, there was no really no basis for him to do that. 
the, sure. the, the, penal, the penalty for the deflate gate thing, I think, was a $25,000 fine, and he suspended him for four games and penalized them a first-round pick. So I think I think Bettman, even if he wants to wanted to suspend Vermette or penalize him more, he's locked into the CBA. And unless you want to start something with, uh, with uh, Donald Fear, you're going to stick to what you have in terms of a penalty. Right, right. I think I think it's fine. I mean, I think I think it is. I think it's the right. I think it's I think it's ten games. I, I think that we the refs have to be off. You know, completely off. You know, off whatever you would call it, out of bounds. They have to be. This has to be something that you wouldn't that you can't do no matter what. I mean, and I what think was Randy Carlisle's quote about it? Anything, do we know? No, I saw the quote about it. It was interesting. He's like, well, we have they have he said something like they have their view, we have our view. But he are you but kidding? He, Come on, Randy. No, but, no, but he finished it up. But he slashed the ref. So what are you gonna do? Like that was how. No, he but that's not a that's see that's bad. But Russ, he's gonna defend that is his a former. No, no, but that's a former player defending yeah. a player, and that is defending it. it I think have. I think what he's trying to do there is keep it from being at that point. Remember when he's asked that comment? He's trying to keep it from being twenty games. I think what he's saying is like. He's trying yeah. to say like the, the 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 obvious attempt to injure a guy, right? Which is well, well, actually, I I disagree. I think he could have had it be less games if he said, you know what, we're going to talk about this. I didn't like it. That's all he had to say. But he didn't yeah. say that. He defended his guy. It's yeah. indefensible. Yeah, no, I mean, it is. we 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 believe that. But from his point of view, he's got to maintain team camaraderie and everybody being behind him. And you go out and you say something against Antoine Vermette if you're Randy Carlisle, all you're doing is sowing the seeds of dissension in your team. Actually, I disagree. And I, I bet you if it was Mike Babcock, he would have actually said what happened and said, yeah, I don't like it. I guarantee you. Well, Mike Babcock is in a much safer Oh, secure. whatever. But I'm just saying, I think he would have said that. Yeah. Yeah, perhaps. I I think or not or not say anything at all, right? I mean, that's the other thing you can do is just, yeah, you could you could choose no comment. That's fine. No comment. No comment is a comment, of course. So or, it, or you could say I didn't see the replay, and then just hope it goes by. You right, could do, you could do that too. Yeah, you could you could say I have to look at. That's the big thing. But you there know, is no backing the player on this. The player was not even close to. You know, there's there's that's the problem with this one. There is no backing the player on this. All right, so let's move on to Michelle Terrian, okay? Because all right. Uh, the last couple of days, I sat here proudly and said, you know, after all this time, you guys know I've been a, I've been a Terrian backer the entire time, and I was. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, you were right in his corner. I've always been there for him. Um, you know, never, never doubted him. Never him. <laughs> I've written. I know Mike just laughed himself off the air for a second there. He did. You know, just, Is your middle name Brutus? I know. So, uh, I mean, I've written articles about why Terrian was successful despite himself. So, I mean, that's where I'm at, right? So. Um, but I was still told, like everybody else was, you know, we were given the old vote of confidence, you know, um, you know. But nobody fully believed that either. Kellyanne Conway vote of confidence, I'm going to call it from now on. Okay. And I was given that vote of confidence and that, you know, that he was going to stick around for a while. And yet, you know, yesterday at 4.30, getting ready to go to a Valentine's Day dinner with my wife, <laughs> Shel Terrian gets fired. And, uh. My wife gets food poisoning, and the rest is history. So, no, that's Tarian's revenge, I suppose. Right, I don't call it Tarian's revenge. This, this apparently, you know, now we're, you know, I did, I did get somebody who um, I know watches the show who was wanting me to point out that he told me on Sunday that to look out because he, he didn't tell me why because he couldn't tell me that they had asked for permission to talk to Julian, but. Um, but I, I've heard, we've heard it so many times, right? That, you know, so it's hard to sit back with Terry and say, okay, you know, out of Montreal and, and I'm not one also, I have this thing about re not reporting rumors of coaches getting fired. So I sat there and I, and I, and I was just basically told that they were going to do something else. I think that that would have been the case if Claude Julian wasn't available. I think they would, I think he'd still be, Terry would still be the coach. I think well, that suppose, that is, supposedly act they did. Asked for permission on Gerard Gallant as well. I've seen reporting on that. So okay, and that would have been that would have been interesting because Gallant was an assistant mm -hmm. there, right? So, yep. but here, but here's the thing: one day when you weren't on, I guess it was Friday. Mike and I were talking about because I had read some rumors that yeah. there was locker room dissension, the Carey Price thing being the only thing that we saw right. with our own eyes with the stare down. And so, like when you said something was going to happen with players, that's why I didn't think so. But once yeah. I started seeing that report, I did. We did say that day it yeah. does look like Terrians in a little bit of trouble here, 
and the famous Terry Curry Price stare yes. down. Yeah. And that's and so we did talk about Terry and being in trouble at that point, and that's why I'm not shocked that Terry got fired. What I'm shocked at is that the Boston Bruins allowed <laughs> the Montreal Canadiens to talk to him and to hire him. They were in control of this, and they decided, hey, we'll we'll lose the salary on 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 um, Julian, and we'll let him talk to Montreal. This could cost them a championship. Like I just yeah, like, and then you know you're absolutely right. And the thing is, so everyone's giving the excuse that this is because of money, right? Okay, so you're going to let them talk. You're going to sit there. You're going to let Julian talk to Canadians because if the Canadians hire him, you're you're off the hook for about three and a half million dollars, right? right. Eight hundred thousand this year, or whatever, and yeah, and next year's contract. So I'm telling you, this is not about money. It's it's not. If the only it's not, and, and this is the thing you have to realize about this Boston group. That is so obvious at this point. They are they they were against. They did not like Julian. They want him away from them. I really believe. I think they're happy moving him on. I don't think they want him. They. I mean, I think, and I think they are. And I will say that there's a cockiness slash arrogance about this Boston group that it doesn't matter if he goes to well, Montreal. It, it, I think, and I think that to that. And remember that the Chiarelli, Chiarelli and Julian, I, they really put them in the same boat, and they had to keep Julian around longer than they really wanted to and to them this is just this is just puts in that look let's just get him away from us i in really a, think that that plays into it in a sense it almost makes it easier for them to demonize him because now he's yeah. the enemy now he's in, right, montreal. Now he's in montreal i don't yeah. think sure, i i get that but you know what pay him the rest this year and let him talk to anybody he wants to over the summer when it can't hurt you no i and i i totally agree with that but i and i, and I think that i think most most teams would have done that i do i don't think i don't i'm there have been teams that have been Coaches have been fired before that have not been allowed to negotiate with your enemy. I mean, I, I mean, I, 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 I understand. I understand the move on the part of Montreal. You know, maybe yes. Terrian's Terrian's method. You know, it has a short lifespan. Mm-hmm. He he alienates players after a while, and after and, and and you know, once that happens, there's no there's no turning back. You know, like we, like Russ was saying. You know, we, obviously there was some some thing there with him and Price. There may have been. And him and another player too. Yeah, with with possibly with Patcheretti because I mean I remember like, I guess there was some comments over the summer about his leadership abilities. Right. So, so and you know and and in a way I think that uh, the relationship between Terrian and uh, Subban forced that forced yeah, that trade. Yeah. Now, I mean, now, that's like that's beyond true. Yeah. Now right now the the thing is. That and it was said in the press conference. I also only saw this up because of a reportage from from the press conference. Was the fact that well was the was the fact that you know this was not an ownership decision. This was not Jeff Molson going to Bergevin and saying you got to get rid of him. That Bergevin took the responsibility of making the change on himself. To me, that means Bergevin is the next head on the ch- chopping block. And if he's if he's making this move. Because well, yeah. doesn't want to make trades, then he's this changes the trades. I, I don't. I don't think it does. I talked to people and I said because I, I asked the question too. And by the way, th- that would be um, that repertoire would be hackneyed at best, um, <laughs> because I, 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 you know, we've been down this road before, right? And it's like so. Um, I just think just to try to match your vocabulary for a second. Oh, thank you. It's always impressive. Um, <laughs> all right, so no, you already fleed you off. You can't match that. It is. It is. No. So, um, no. I think that no. It's good that we bring good good vocabulary into such. Bad hey, look at all the books Mike's have. Mike has. Come on. Yeah. I know. I've read every single one of them. But the but the but the but the thing is. <laughs> all right. But all right. Wait. 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 <laughs> okay. All right. There is something that went down a couple weeks ago. Um, the the whole meeting in Phoenix, the Phoenix thing that went down. It was like maybe even a week ago, right? And this was very right. hot, very the a players meeting, and there's a couple of players meetings that are in the news too right now, which is really funny. We can't even get into the Tortorella one. That's like a whole another can of worms. But right. all right, but there was one in Montreal. Montreal players are in Arizona, right? They want to hold a player meeting with Terrian. Um, Terrian sends Bergeron instead, um, and doesn't go to the player meeting. <laughs> This goes back to my, and they want to talk about Terrian. I mean, that's the whole idea of it. So they get to the meeting, and every there's all everybody's uncomfortable. They're like, well, you know, we want to talk to Terrian, so well, I guess we'll have to tell you what we feel. And they 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 talk to Bergeron, and you know, that had to be one of the be one of the problems things. And this, but the but for this, this is where I want to bring this up. I brought the story up before, and I wrote about it today, but it bears mentioning here on the podcast because I want everybody to hear this. 
the way these exit meetings were held every year with the Montreal Canadiens, and I've heard this from four players, two of which are no longer there, one of who may have been traded to Nashville, um, that, that this was the way these meetings were held, okay, at the end of the year was you would sit across the table from, from Bergeron. And normally what normally how these exit meetings go is you're there with the coach and maybe the GM's there, but not always. Usually it's just the coach. The way Montreal exit meetings worked is you sat across from the GM and the coach would be in the corner, like literally 10 feet away from you, facing the window, looking at his computer or his iPad, and would would as as you were talking to the GM about what happened throughout the year, what you need to work on in the summer, and all that stuff, the coach Michel Therrien would chime in as if you weren't there by saying something to Bergeron in French or whatever, saying, you know, oh, remind him about this, remind, and as if you know he wasn't talking to you directly. But you know, if this happens. I mean, that's insane. That's that that that, and then the, him not showing up for his own meeting. Well, the, well, that see that that's weird because I mean there there's been some reporting out there that Bergevin called the meeting and Tarion was not invited to the meeting. So okay. if that if that's the case, then the writing was on the wall. If it's the other way around, and Bergevin, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. Well, what, players I talk to, I don't think that's. But true. here's the thing: I've been in exit interviews because I've been in management. I've hired and fired people, and I've been in the HR office and had to listen to people say things on the way out too and that is like what happens in the corporate world so i'm not totally shocked yeah yeah but in 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 the hockey world i mean it's it just it, there's a it's a whole different can of worms and what it what it, it gives you is like this sense of separation between the player and the coach yeah, which yeah. which you know um which terry thrived on and mm-hmm. he thrived on he thrived on the fact that his players you know weren't didn't like him he, he made them hate him um, that was his, that was his mo, like to get the get you know get your team to hate you, um, and that is a, that's a tactic that people have used throughout the years, and and that's a and and you know what it really is a high school type tactic in a lot and of ways, like, and it's got a limited lifespan. You yeah, can only do right. that for so long. Now the fun the funny thing is is apparently Brendan Gallagher uh, had contacted I think it was Milan Lucic. I guess they're they're friendly, which is strange because those are, you know I uh, but but he had contacted him about about Julian on. Yesterday morning, so it it was known that this change was going to happen way before it got released. I you know, and yeah, and it was it was I think it was known between in the core group there that they have, which which is different than the core group because the Bergeron core group, okay, or Bergevin, I'm sorry, I was Bergevin, yeah. I always call him Bergeron. I apologize. The Bergevin core group, okay, is different than the Terrian core group. Right, what I've been told, like Tarion had, there are there are Tarion supporters in there in that room. There are there are guys who are they're not as many as there were, but there are still like three or four guys left from the year that they went pretty far in the finals uh, in the playoffs a couple years ago, um, who are Tarion backers. But they um they are they are not the same people that are in the Bergevin core group. And that that when that happens too, that you know you've got a problem. Like, well, here here here's something. Here, here's something that's potential is pretty interesting. I think Julian is a better coach than Terry. I think he's he's better. I don't think anybody would argue on that. Better at, at interpersonal relations than with within within the team than than Terry is. But he also is a in terms of his style is a defense defensive coach who believes in two way hockey. Players like Alex Galchenyuk, who's been sort of the center of you know the recent. Uh, situation in Montreal about him being not responsible defensively. You got to remember, Claude Julien moved Tyler Sagan to the wing because he wasn't good defensively up the middle. This isn't going to change the whole situation with Galchenyuk if he continues to play haphazardly defensively. This is the difference. You're right about that, Mike. But here's the difference: Terrien never gave any, never gives any positive. Terrien's also a defensive coach. Terrien's right. also very much. He he gets the reason that some players have struggled there. Is because and the you know Bergevin has brought them in to play offense and Terrian and Terrian won't let them do that. Terrian says if you're not playing on defense, you're not playing at all. So you had these guys and Terrian never rewards guys for doing well. Like he you know where Julian you know does want you to play well defensively, but you know if you're going to go out there if you go out there and score goals, you know if you're not playing well defensively, you damn well better score goals. And if you score goals, okay, we won't talk about your defensive game today. That that's more of the Julian tactic. 
where the birds, where, you know, where Terrians, like, it doesn't matter if you go out there and score goals. If you didn't play well defensively, you're done. And, um, and that, that is where he kicked he, he not there's, there's a couple things. Like uh, last year I saw the definite at the, at the winter classic being in the, in the room for two or yeah. three times after practices and whatever that, there was a bit of an issue, but they weren't going to make the playoffs, so it rolled on to this year. They started out hot, but when he started making excuses after the Winter Classic, I knew there was a bit of an issue. It oh, lasted until this year. That's his game, right? His game has always been excuses, right? And so, but but there was on display there, like yeah, it was on and, display and, for the yeah, world. And that's, that's, that, and that's hard, you know what the difference is there because you have a national media there at the Winter Classic, correct? Right? And he has the Canadian media. The Canadians are very good at keeping their media at bay. Because yes. they because they have so many people that want to be in that press box that if you're not if you're not you know in line with them, um, like I've often said, if I was a Canadian writer, I wouldn't be in the press box because of all the things I've said about Terran. There's no question about it, you know. So, you know, I mean, but I I've said some things about the Flyers in the past, and they'll they'll they've been fine with me being in the press box. They they understand that that's part of different my job. Different organizations, different people. Right, but in Montreal, there's no there's no organization that's harder than on than than this one, right? And, you know, I've seen it and it's funny because, you know, we saw it with Eric Engels at times early on and then now he's with Sportsnet. So he's sort of stuck where they have to put him in there now because he's with Sportsnet. But believe me, they didn't want him in there um, because even though he wasn't there for a while with um, with XM with us and uh, they didn't want him in there because he was critical. And when you're critical at all, you get you get you get stymied right away. And man, that this organization, especially they had their friends. Um, they had their certain guys, you know, that they liked. Um, Tarion had his guys he would call on in press conferences. It was just like what you're seeing, you know, <laughs> in oh. Washington, D.C. right now. But I'm just saying that there was a whole thing where you had this whole thing going on. And, you know, players really got frustrated by it. And the lack of respect he showed for a lot of players who deserve respect was another thing that went against the hockey culture, you know, um, yeah. in a big way. And that, now, that's the, second, the yeah. second part of this is I think – this is Bergevin's going all in, not going all in on a trade, but going all oh, yeah. in on a coach. Yeah, yeah. And now they're going to wait. They're going to evaluate before they right. make a trade. I do. And, and, and that's and that's what that's where I think that there's a potential pitfall for Bergevin because if if he says, okay, I'm not going to make the moves that I was going to have to make before because you know, there's going to be a new outlook from Julian and maybe he can get more out of Gelchenyuk and maybe he can get more out of this guy or that guy. And they go past March the 1st and they fall in the first round, then Bergevin's in trouble. I don't think they'll go past March 1st, but they do. They did buy themselves a little time here because they have practice time that right. you don't normally have. And they have like five games or so left, right? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean the, the one the one good thing is Julian has a has a knowledge base of the Canadians because he's faced them the last decade. Yes. So it's not going to take him a long time no. to get up to speed. But you, you also have to recognize there are certain problems with that team that need to be rectified. They need more scoring. They maybe need some size up the middle. That hasn't changed because, you know, David DeHarnay isn't all of a sudden going to become six inches bigger because Claude Julian's the coach. No, but, like, Nathan Blow could have a bigger role. Like, there's other things that could happen that could make them better. Even if he puts Scott Chenyuk on the wing just to see – he might start scoring more because he has less defensive responsibility. Like, there's definitely things Just clearing off all do. this baggage. I mean, there's so much baggage that Terrian had on these guys. Yes. I mean, just going to, I would hear guys talk about going to practice, just like, you know, okay, I turned right instead of left. I know Terrian's going to say that I turned right instead of left. Like, everything was being so completely, you know, micromanaged. And this and, probably affected Carey Price for the first time. Oh, I think it totally affected Carey Price. And I think it, I know it affected Galchenyuk. I know it affected, you know, like PK before that. Um, oh, definitely I, PK. I mean, you know, you know, oddly enough, Pacioretty was one of Terry and supporters. He was in that group of, you know, he was in that yeah. group. And, you know, but I think part of that, you know, and that's partly why, you know, you're looking at him with a C on his shirt, you know, but Pacioretty is, is a great, is a, you know, is going to be a great player with anybody. And he's, yes. he, it might just be the fact that he believes in supporting the coach no matter what, but he was definitely one of the guys that, that's tried the hardest to sell the system to the other players that Terry was preaching, but it got hard for him too. And that baggage that comes with him too, of like, it's hard to keep telling the players to follow a guy that keeps pissing them off, that keeps dissing them at every turn. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that happens. So, I think the, I think just just the relief of not having that baggage around anymore gets Montreal, you know, into the playoffs and gets and you get a good ending here to the season. 
I do think this puts more pressure on the Boston Bruins than ever before. So much pressure on the Boston Bruins. Yeah, I mean, this is a this is a management group that I don't know why would do that to themselves. Like this is that's the one thing when I talk about you know Julian, like I agree with you 100. percent Why would they, you know, take it take some a a situation that already is has the whole city divided, and and now put yourselves in a position to fail. You know, I mean, it, give I guess give them credit, whatever they're they're living by the sword or dying by the sword. They're going, they're saying mm-hmm. they're, what they believe that Julian's not a good coach, and they're going to go off that. And they're well, I, I don't so think show that they're going to move him to Montreal. I don't think they're saying that Julian's not a good coach. I think they're just saying after ten years, his time has passed. I mean, Montreal's made made their commitment here. They apparently the contract is this year plus five more years, and the the figure I think Russ you said it was for over four million. Yeah, I saw four point one. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, we're talking. You know, that Montreal has has made the commitment to Julian, and uh, we'll see what happens. I, I think I think what we've seen, you know, with the other teams that have changed coaches, is you do get a nice little bump, right? You get that, and you're going to see that in Montreal for sure. And in Montreal, we if this Canadians team is nothing if not streaky. Yep. And I believe part of the reason, and I, ta- I talked to a player who didn't disagree with this. He was like, I he didn't disagree with it completely. But the reason that this team has come out for two years in a row now like gangbusters is because Terrian's effect is cumulative over the year and it starts to wear on you. Like you yes. come out at the beginning of the year and you know, he's, he's, he's nice and, it, it, and he's, he's, he's complimentary or he's not completely criticizing everything you're doing. And then, but over time the criticism comes out, you start to second guess yourself and you, we've seen this pattern of the Canadians having these great starts and then falling apart. Um, this will stop the falling apart part of things, you know, that, that, that was happening. Um, not that the Canadians were going to fall out of the playoffs, but it was possible. I mean, it was possible that they could have another collapse like they did last year. I mean, they're they're they had that great start. They're 500 since then, so it's not like last year where they had the great start and they were like 20 games under 500. Right. So, yeah. But this so this is completely. But I I think I think this will give them a boost. I do think that you will see you know where maybe Bergevin would have made a trade this week. Now he doesn't make it for another couple of weeks, but I don't think it's going to stop him from making a trade. If he can get to Shane still, he's going to get to Shane. If he can go out and get Patrick Sharp, he's going to still do that because Montreal still believes that they are a Stanley cup contender and they should their first place in their division. Right. So they should yeah. think of that. Now there was some Mac rumor based okay. that came up during the Islanders Leafs game. They did question the panel uh, in between periods what is the percentage chance you think John Tavares will be a Leaf? And I got to say, I wasn't comfortable with that, going around a panel, giving percentages on that. I didn't really like that very much. Yeah. And I saw McKenzie gave 20, and that's the one that I would trust on the panel. I think yeah. Jeff O'Neill gave 40, which I just thought was like, come on. like, well, Yeah, it's nuts. You know, but but again, I just thought it was weird. that well, all That's a strange thing to do right now. And, yeah, and here's, here's my answer. Zero. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's easy to say zero because that's the easy way to go, right? And well, no, it, 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 it's based on it's based on the fact that right now the Leafs, and not to say that they, they couldn't, obviously they could use John Tavares. He's one of the best players in the league, but they're going to be paying Matthews big money. They've got Kadri locked up for four years. There's re- they're going to move Nylander to center. They're relatively they, they 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 would have to spend eleven million dollars probably in free agency to sign Tavares. They're going to need that money to spend on defense, to spend on a, a scoring winger for for Matthews. You can spend your money much better. Uh, if you're the Leafs, then 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 Tavares. Now, if it was Stamkos and last year, I think that they would have done it, and maybe that wouldn't have turned out yeah, well. I don't think it would have been a good thing, right? Because I mean, I think Tavares is a better pickup than Stamkos. I mean, I think he's a much better pickup than Stamkos. Uh, maybe because of the injury history, I might be with the you. injury history. Yeah, and because I think that he actually he gives you a little more size than Stamkos. He, he's and you but know this just goes back to this just goes back to the to the old thing where. The Leafs and and a lot of the media there always believe they're going to get the next big yeah, star yeah. no matter what. Yeah, that's well, they've right. got the next big star. His name is Austin Matthews. And right, I mean, but they still want to get the next big star in free agency too. And right. yeah, the money, the fact that they have the money, they will spend. They will go out and they will sign a couple big free agents. You'll see that happen. Well, what 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 this is, and and you know, I. I being someone who's covered the Leafs for a long time, and before that, being a fan and knowing how the how the media reports on them, this is feeding the beast. You've got Sportsnet 
saying that there's a possibility they're going to trade for Shattenkirk. You got TSN saying that there's a possibility they're going to sign Tavares. They need ratings. They're going to say this stuff. They're going to tantalize. Well, I don't mind the- that they even said it. I was uncomfortable with the percentages. That's where it's I'm- strange because of two things. One thing is like there's because and even trying to come up with a percentage. First of all, I will never say I, you can never say zero percent on anything. That I've learned. Right. Um, like, you know, like Crosby is not Crosby is 0% being traded to the Flyers. Okay. We could say, okay, that, that is pretty good bet, but you know, there's hard, but even that, you know, to sit there and say, zero, even that when he's 38 years old, you never know. Right. I mean, look, Lindros was a Ranger eventually. Right. <laughs> I mean, there are things that happen, right? So it's like, there's things that happen. And by the way, there's a Lindros auction going on too, which is a whole nother thing you have to check out on class. They're auctioning Eric Lindros? Lindros no, is most of his stuff, like oh crazy is- jerseys and stuff like that so um are they auctioning off his quebec nordique jersey that he never wore no no No, he wouldn't they probably never gave it to him no i don't think they ever did so um but there's a lot so that's all classic auctions i think that's in the hall of fame if i'm not mistaken that it might be um so anyway i just think that zero it's there's two percent because it's hard to come up with a percentage when first of all Tavares can still be signed by the islanders so it's like Right. So there's a there's a you have to go on a, what percentage is it that he's going to leave the Islanders is a one thing you know and I think that percentage is no more than twenty at, the, at tops and then TSA. after that you got to take all the teams in the NHL now that can get a shot at them so right. if I'm the, you know the percentage I would put it in the tens like if if any like you know in, and that's if I if I said ten percent that means I think there's a fifty percent chance he's going to be signed by the Leafs because no. I only think there's a twenty percent chance he's not going to be signed by the Islanders so TSA, I don't mean, TSA, 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 you know. TSN jumped the gun on the on the on this on this question. Well, it isn't, you know, someone's going to jump the gun on it. Yeah, I don't mind it like this. Said, for conversation, hey, we've had the conversation. Sure. I just put a percentage on it. That's all. Putting percentages on it is, and I think for anybody to go above five percent is is insane if you're really going to do it because you really have to look at it yeah. from the fact that there's two factors in this. It's not just he's not a free agent, and it's not like the Leafs the only team that can sign him. So right, right, well, right. but there, I mean, it was a Leaf game, which and it was against yeah. the. So that, but you know, wait, wait until, is, wait until. Very Maple Leaf centric. Although I will say, you know, the one thing I've noticed is that yes, they do think they're the center of the hockey universe. But but having done the trade deadline show at Sportsnet and stuff, and been part of that machine a couple, been a couple times, have been at XM and stuff like that. Um, there is a there is an abnormal hatred of the Maple Leafs among the Toronto national media. Right, but they also they they also they also need. They need to, to drive the engine. They they also need to. Well, yeah, and, and you, but remember the Toronto media. Yeah, Canadian Canadian media. I mean, the Maple Leafs are are huge throughout Canada. It's not just it's not just in Toronto. So and that's and that's why I think the Leafs are included in rumors that they probably are not even involved in because you know you know on, on the part of agents and on the part of teams they they can drive traffic or drive yeah, interest based on Toronto. Probably true. All right, um, we got to get going. Um, the. Uh, yeah, we have some big games coming up tonight. Again, Toronto. Toronto's got Columbus tonight. That's going to be a, that's going to be a fun one to watch. See how they respond from that. Um, with Columbus, who recently told their coach Tortorella that it has got to be nicer that in a in a team meeting, that is something else. That the one thing I'll tell you about John Tortorella team meetings, I've never you know interviewed guys on what they said in the team meeting, but I've been to games like after that. Yeah, and you always get the impression that John is not happy that they did it. Oh, you think? Yeah. Yeah. No, but I mean, some coaches don't mind. Like some coaches say, "Go ahead, go have that." But like with Tortorella, I've never gotten the impression that he feels that that's a good thing. Yeah, uh, he's not. He's not going to be the guy you're going to hold an intervention for. You know, like you're not going right. to be there and say, "This is the John Tortorella intervention." We think you're not quite as nice as you should be, and that's right. basically what they did. Um, Cur- Curtis McElhinney will be in goal for the Leafs <laughs> against the Blue, the Blue Jackets. <laughs> They're looking, looking for the revenge factor from him. <laughs> there you go. That's, Are they going to chant Curtis, Curtis, like Eddie? Sure. That's all right. I, I like it. I like the fact that Babcock. Is it in Columbus? Did you say it's Columbus? Yeah, they, they might chant Curtis, Curtis. That'd be great. Yeah, I mean, um, the Flyers start. The uh, Flyers are in Calgary. The Flyers have this West Coast trip. Now we're talking about this is the season for the Flyers. So this, this, in my opinion, the next four or five games. It feels like it is. It feels like that this is either when they're going to totally collapse or save or or make a run to get back into this thing. But they have to over the next couple of games in Calgary and Edmonton um, Wednesday and Friday. So um, I mean, based on Calgary's goaltending lately, they should be able to score a few goals. Yeah, Neuwirth is the goalie again, which tells you that, you know, again, I think that Neuwirth is the guy. Neuwirth started the year for Hackstall, so this is not a shock. But this is, I mean, this is starting to spell like the end of, end of you know, 
basically Mason's career as a flyer. Like you're starting, because I mean, we're looking at a, a UFA and unless Neuwirth gets hurt here, he might not get another shot to be the starter, at which case, you awesome. know, we're definitely turning away from him. And I don't think, and I don't think they're going to re-sign Neuwirth either. So if you're not going to sign Mason or Neuwirth, then you are. Well, if they win the Stanley Cup, they'll re-sign Neuwirth. Well, sure. Um, <laughs> I think that, uh, or they might sign him, but I think that this, this further enhances my feeling that they really are looking elsewhere, that they, that, uh -huh. that they're looking at Bishop or, or somebody else. I mean, not Mark Andre Fleury. That would never happen. But uh, somebody had said that the other day that that would happen, and that will never happen. Um, remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. We'll be back again tomorrow, uh, same time, and uh, we'll have a lot more to talk about, I'm sure. But my gosh, how much more can you have to talk about than we had today? Take care, guys. We'll talk soon. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.